0: TalkZone.com!
2: And we do welcome you to the thetalkzone.com. Beautiful, beautiful Wednesday here in the fine city of Chicago to coach and the big dog, Joel Radwanski with you. Sports talk and more. That's what we do each and every Monday through Friday, 10 o'clock to 11 Central Time. Thank you so much for joining us. Super Bowl four days away. Pitchers and catchers report in 14 days and big dog only 67 days until the Ninety eighth running of the Kentucky Derby. I don't know which of the three I'm more excited about. Well,
3: I know you, and I'm sure it's the Kentucky Derby, Coach. You
2: have a nice- <laughs> I am into uh, I am into horses, but right now it's a close race. But I got to go Super Bowl first, and the Derby ninety eight days or sixty seven days or whatever the hell it is. Uh, I got to go Super Bowl first, but it's close, very close.
3: Uh, yeah, and especially considering and this is going to be one of the great ones of all time, I would hopefully that you would, uh, and the fact that it's like right at our doorstep, you'd be concentrated a little bit more on the Super Bowl than uh, mm-hmm. on the Kentucky Derby. Well, now, I will do lose, my best. You lose money very well at the Kentucky Derby. I
2: have. <laughs> oh, I best. can lose money equally well. I could make bad predictions, as I've proven here on the show, and beat the schmoes equally well in horse racing and football. My mediocrity spans to a number of sports, Joe. I'm sure you're proud of that.
3: Uh, you know what, and normally... You know, it's it's good to pick names, you know, of the, like good names of horses. If you don't know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. lose five bucks, enjoy yourself. But like when you, uh, like when you pick three-legged pony, you know, names like that, maybe you should learn your lesson.
2: <laughs> that would probably be good. I do like to pick horses uh, via names, but let me ask you this: Big Dog, four days away. Uh, if it were a horse race, which of the uh, Two teams, which of the players is starting to, um, you know, we're not at the finish line just yet, but we're heading down the back stretch. Media Day is beyond us. They're going to start to hunker down a little bit, actually get into game plans. Uh, haven't talked to you since last week. Number one, I hope you and your family are doing well. And number two, um, any little uh, inklings, indications on which team a big dog might be picking here on a football Friday? Oh,
3: you you know, Coach, that uh, I've been saying that from the beginning of the season. I think the Colts are going to win the Super Bowl, so nothing's changed. When we're talking about Horses a minute ago, I'm going to go with the Colts. I really do think the Colts are going to win this football game, but I think it's going to be a classic. They're five, five five-and-a-half, six-point favorites. Mm -hmm. I I see this being a classic coach coming down to the end, like a 34-31 game. So Mm -hmm. uh, if I had a money line, I would definitely take the Colts. But, uh, you know, the the Saints can keep it close, but I I really like the Colts. This whole Dwight Fringe thing is like the best thing that can happen to the Colts.
2: Wait, say that again? The Dwight Fini thing? The, the Dwight thing. thing. Uh, seriously, like, uh, that's all everybody's talking about. It'll take the
3: focus off other things. He's going to be fine. He'll play just fine in the Super Bowl. All
2: right, because our, uh, everything we've heard and from our reporters that are down there, and actually, our reporters aren't really our reporters. We're just stealing them from ESPN and everybody else. But, uh, they're talking about he's hobbling around pretty good. Very, very doubtful to play. But, big dog, you think, uh, it's not a cover up, but you think somehow he'll be able to go and, uh, and the distraction is taking away from maybe some of the pressures on the other players? Is that the angle you're going with?
3: Yeah, and what's going to happen is now the the Saints have to worry about, you know, where is he going to be, how often is he going to be on the field, who's going to be replacing him. And you know what will happen? Come Super Bowl morning, his ankle's going to feel just fine. He won't be able to play every down, because trust me, if you haven't practiced in two weeks, you can't get out on a football field mm-hmm. and play. And you can say, it's a Super Bowl, you'll have adrenaline. And you know what? Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. He'll get out there. It'll be the Super Bowl. All that'd run a little pump for him. Next thing you know, he'll be exhausted in the middle of the first quarter. You know, if he does play, it's the beginning of the first quarter. Right. He isn't he's going to play every down. Other players on the Colts will pick their game up. His presence will also mean something. In it, it, some weird way, this is going to help the Colts.
2: Biggest question I have for you is how is the uh my favorite guy in a three point stance? How will Jeff Saturday play this Sunday?
3: Well, you know, he's actually uh, petitioning the NFL to actually start having Super Bowl Sunday on Saturday night. Really? You know, the 13 days after the championship game instead of 14 days. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, he's he says it has nothing to do with his last name, but he's asking the NFL because he wants to be able to actually party on a Saturday night for the first time during a football season.
2: <laughs> well, you know, with a last name like that, he should be able to go out and, uh, you know, celebrate at least once or two weeks out of the season. Maybe they could yeah, give but- him an occasional Saturday game.
3: Yeah, you know he uh, he has the Lawrence Taylor you know theory of playing football. He, I never play hungover, mm-hmm. you know, so he he never parties on Saturday night.
2: Well, he may never play hungover, but he constantly plays bent over.
3: Well, this is true, and that that is a situation that he's had to deal with. But you know, for being a bent over guy, he does get it done. Yes, so I think he was named the center on the him and Olin Cruz on the all decade. Yeah, team. Yeah,
2: that was interesting. The all decade team, and actually, he was not. He was oh, he not. Was it was not, Olin by the way, Kruitz... I
3: haven't seen – I was told this. I've seen the defensive all-decade uh-huh. all team. I haven't seen the offensive all-decade team. I believe.
2: But, uh, I believe I'm pretty correct because I, I you know, I start like you at the offensive line and work my way backwards. Uh, it was Olin Crouse, our very own Chicago Bear, and it was a, a gentleman named Kevin Maway or Mayway. Kevin Maway. and Mawai. Is,
3: You know what? That is the absolute right choice. It would go if they had a, a starting and, and backup golden well, cro to be the backup in that particular situation
2: thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the career of Kevin Mawai. always thought he's an outstanding player one question for you Joel yeah who does he play for
3: uh he <laughs> played for the for the, the Titans coach okay and if you and if you remember correctly the best center in the NFL right now is Nick mangold of the Jets and when they drafted him they sent Kevin Mawai. they just let him go okay that's how good does Mangold get-hmm so the all-decade guy was let go when they drafted this guy, and, and he's been the real mm-hmm. deal for the
2: We have not talked much about that all-decade team. We could certainly throw that out there. Uh,
3: today. And we, we won- definitely have not talked enough uh, New York Jet, uh, you know, center position over the last five or six years. We definitely haven't done that. I'm glad we touched yeah. on it early on, have, on in the show, Coach.
2: Yeah, I don't know if that's great for ratings outside of our <laughs> FineTalkZone.com <laughs> listeners in the New York area. I will tell you, the uh, best offensive line I saw all season. I can't speak for the last five years, haven't watched that much New York. New York Jet football, but of the few games I saw this year, the New York Jet offensive line, awfully good. Awfully good. You know,
3: it's one thing to be able to run the football coach, but when you have legitimately hardly any threat of passing the ball, okay, mm-hmm. you've already told everybody we're going to come running off the bus, and you do it all year long, and you can do it from game one through mm-hmm. week 17, and in the playoffs, that is pretty impressive, and that's also why Mangle was a starting center on the AFC Hall Pro team. Mm-hmm. Um Alec and Fanica, the left guard, was the starting guard, yep. and DeBreckishaw Ferguson was the tackle. Both coaches right. They had three starting players on the on the Pro Bowl team.
2: Any show, any show here on TalkZone.com automatically ups a couple of notches when we can mention my favorite guy, DeBreckishaw Ferguson.
3: Of oh, course, you know he's one of those lean guys. He, you know he's got like eight percent body fat, and he plays oh. offensive line in the NFL. I and
2: love so eight percent body fat guys. I love when you talk body fat, percent body fat.
3: Well, just remember, I, the guys need to be late. I have no problem with the little puffy girl. Just let you ladies out there know it's mm-hmm. okay. All right, you don't have to get all fat. I, there's there's no problem with the little padding.
2: Now, I, <laughs> I'm sure our female fans are thrilled to hear you see that, Big Dad. By the way, a single and extremely eligible, I might add, Joel Big Dog Radwanski. You can see his picture if you would like on our fan That's page. That's a bad
3: picture,
2: by the way. It's a good picture. You look very, uh, very gentlemanly, very mature. Well, Maybe I a little to say, bit too much.
3: Which I don't wear. I got yeah. a goatee, which I had for like a week, uh-huh. and I'm a lot puffier then than I am now. A lot more padding in that picture. A
2: lot of the female fans enjoy the uh, goatee look. We've had some rather uh, curious. As I could gently put it, emails regarding that goatee, big dog. But uh, let me just mention, the fan page is number two, two guys, Mike at AOL.com. Two guys, Mike, M-I-C at AOL, or not com. two guys, Mike.com. So check out our fan page. The single and very eligible Joe Radwanski is right there for you. Now, big dog, last time you were in the studio, our producer, David Olson, did test you. You were up at 16% body fat. I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. What's your uh, percent 13. body fat these days?
3: Sixteen. I haven't been at sixteen in in like three years, coach.
2: Well, that's so, the you know David Olson's probably using. Knowing our technology here was probably a thermometer from like the nineteen eighties.
3: Well, no, I have been like working out a lot harder recently because I've been training uh, one of my buddies Russ, who we're uh, using <laughs> Russell. He's our Asian guy, Asian okay. guy. Okay. Now he was more sumo than like um, like lean. Like he he couldn't. He isn't one of those typical Asian dudes that can ride one of those little small motorcycles, Coach. <laughs> yes. you know what I'm saying? If yes. he rode one of those, he would look like like the like the fat guy at the carnival the, riding the mini bike. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, he was 335, and we weighed him yesterday, and 335. Yes. You know, wow. An Asian guy that weighs 335 pounds. It's a, it's a thing to behold. That's When we we got seriously, we got him drunk one night. We put him in some diapers. He looked exactly like
2: a sumo wrestler. <laughs> And uh, you put him in some diapers. He didn't willingly go. He was...
3: You know, he doesn't drink too much.
2: Okay. But, uh, we you know, he'll start drinking the rum. And
3: at had his birthday party. We got him real drunk. And then the next thing you know, he was Sumo Russell. But uh, <laughs> he, he's dropped 41 pounds in the last uh, two months, Coach. So that's uh-huh. pretty good. We, we had him yesterday. He was 294. Very Me, good. I actually live around about 10% right now. All right. I work well, out pretty hard.
2: It's kind of so. nice. Over the uh, weeks we have you on the air, we're getting to know all the various roommates you live with. We've kidded that your spatial abode out in beautiful Aurora, Illinois, is like somewhat of a... extra. not kidding. It is a literal United Nations of uh, personalities. We've talked to Mahmoud, who's come mm-hmm. on our show before. Now today we're getting to know your Asian roommate, the 335-pound... What's his first name? Russell. Russell.
3: Yeah. Beautiful. Well, it's Russell, but we joke around call him Russell.
2: Beautiful. So, I can hardly um, wait till next week's show when we get to meet another one of your roommates. Well, uh,
3: by the way, he is not 335 pounds. He's, he is below three bills now, Coach. So he's oh. 294. He's very sensitive ah. about that. Beautiful. And the the waist is about to go below fifty inches for the first time since like he was in well in diapers literally. So,
2: <laughs> all right, now that we're this will be a regular segment when Brian's on, we do projected starting lineups for spring training and uh, the middle of February. From <laughs> Joel's on, it's get to know your uh, get to know your roommate at the United Nations. <laughs> They're right. not very happy about it. I know that. Now let me uh, attempt to get back to a Super Bowl talk. Four days away, excitement starting to build. We don't want to. You know, peak too soon, but it's starting to get there. Eight oh, I feel the crescendo
3: happening, Coach. Oh, I'm sorry. Eight eight eight, go for
2: it. Yeah, eight eight eight, go for it. Four six three six seven, for it. Any fans want to pick the uh, very solid and affable football brain of a big dog, Joe Radwanski? He'll be here today, tomorrow, and Friday. Is that right? We got you all three days.
3: Um, yes. I didn't realize it was today, but yes, definitely all three days, Coach. It's unbelievable
2: unbelievable. The excitement is almost uncontainable. Let me ask you real quick Dawn, before we head to a break. You said you like the Indianapolis Colts, and I think a lot of people do. Point spread somewhere between five and a half, seven and a half. New Orleans is confusing me a little bit. See if you're with me here. Is New Orleans Saints? I, I see two New Orleans Saints. I see the team that won the first 13 games of the year, and they did it uh, exciting. They were sexy. They threw the ball down the field. They scored a ton of points. there. And I see the New Orleans Saints are their first playoff game. I forget who the heck they beat, but that was the Saints I remember. Who?
3: The Arizona Cardinals.
2: Okay, against the Arizona Cardinals. That was a really good and almost intimidating and scary New Orleans Saints team. On the other hand, I keep picturing the last three games of the season and even more of recent vintage, you know how the most recent things stick in your mind, the second half of the Minnesota Viking game and even the overtime which they pulled out where they started to uh, play very conservative, five Minnesota turnovers, they could barely win the game. So I'm kind of torn. Uh, is it the dynamic, sexy New York, uh, New Orleans? Is that the real team, or is the lost the last three games in a flat? I thought somewhat flat performance against Minnesota. Is that the New Orleans team? You
3: know, no, that is that's the question because if it's um if it's the one that wasn't tackling very well and make it and wasn't getting a good. Well, they got a real, 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 real good pass rush, but uh, they weren't able to make a lot of plays on defense. Well, then they're going to get blown out by the Colts. But if they are the team of the first thirteen weeks of the season, it's going to be a great, great, great football game. Mm-hmm. And it, it is amazing how quickly like tides can turn. It looked like if the the Saints went from being like a pick'em against the Colts to being a six-point underdog, just because of what they looked like last week. So yep. You're not the only one wondering, coach. The whole America is is thinking the same exact thing as you because there's no way the Colts should be a 6-point favorite.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But maybe maybe you know they they weren't used to being the favorite. And they were the favorite all year long. I mean, it eventually it caught up to them. They get back into the playoffs, all of a sudden everybody starts picking the the Cowboys and and the Vikings all oh, everyone's asking to go to the the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they weren't um they were back in the terms of being an underdog again. Maybe this is going to be good for the, the Saints. That everybody's picking the Colts in this game. If
2: there's pressure, can get a little bit of the pressure off of them. I was just going to ask about the pressure. I, I don't know. I don't think there's tremendous pressure on either team. But uh, I'll throw it out to you. Do you think one team may, you know, a little more pressure, more expectancy to win? Is there? You got New Orleans. Their first time there. Indianapolis has been there before. That helps. But is. Pressure even going to be a factor, or can both teams pretty much come out there and play loosey-goosey?
3: No, no, it, it, it's the Super Bowl, coach. And and, it, and remember, that it's only a football game. So both teams should go out there, have a good time, enjoy the time that they're playing in a game that's the focus of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's what they should do. But, you know, what will end up happening is they all realize the circumstances. And I don't care if a team's a 20-point underdog and they end up losing by one. In history, they go down as losers. You know what I mean? It's, it's it isn't For some reason, the Super Bowl has a different aura. Like if it's the NCAA championship game, Coach, and Cinderella comes in, makes it all the way to the, to the final game, and loses by one, everybody says, what a great story, oh, it's a heartbreak, but everybody remembers it as a wonderful story. If the same thing happens in the Super Bowl, Cinderella gets there and, gets, and loses by one, they're, they're called a loser. Mm-hmm. It, it's a strange thing that happens in the Super Bowl. That's why it doesn't matter if you're a six-point, underdog, 14, or you're the favorite. There is pressure on you to play the best game that you've played.
2: If anyone would like backing to a Joel's last point, you can call Marv Levy, care of the Buffalo Bills. I'm not sure how you get a hold of Marv, but I think he might back up your point. Four, right? Am I got that right? Four consecutive uh-huh. Super Bowl losses for the Bills? People call the Bills losers.
3: Seriously. Oh, those are a bunch of uh, the Bills. You're a bunch of, you're a bunch of choke on losers. Yeah. Really? They were the best team in one of the conferences for a long time, and they are a bunch of losers because mm-hmm. – They honestly lost a better team than them in the Super Bowl.
2: Well, it's all a matter of perspective. All a matter of perspective. You could call them losers. People made jokes of them for a while. It was David Letterman, Jay Leno, the whole thing when they lost their fourth in a row. You could say they lost four Super Bowls in a row. I prefer to be more optimistic, positive by nature, Joel, and I would say that, hey, amazingly, unbelievably, the Buffalo Bills won one. They didn't lose. They won four consecutive American Football Conference championships. That's another way of looking at it.
3: And and I'm also on the fact that I look at like who they played against in the championship games. I really believe that they were they lost every game and they were not the better team in any of those games. Even the first one where no New would missed the field goal, mm-hmm. uh, everybody you know thought the Bills were better that year. I actually did think the Giants were a little bit mm-hmm. better that year. But uh, it, it's just it's it's one of those games that are treated differently than anything else in sports. Yeah, seriously, it's like it's the only place where you can get to the championship game. Lose it and be called a loser, no matter what circumstances you had during your whole season. Like if the NBA, they forget about you, it doesn't really matter, but they, you know, they will mention, hey, you know, it wasn't a bad season, just something about that one big game. That it creates that. Cause I guess because everybody's watching, and a lot, and I guess it may because 80% of the people watching the Super Bowl aren't really diehard football fans, so. Right. They don't really know much about the Mm -hmm. Buffalo Bills, so when they see them lose, they're considered losers. I guess maybe that's that's a perception because everybody watches it, Coach.
2: Didn't affect our Chicago Bears one bit when we lost three years ago, Joel. We kept that championship train, just kept on rolling, uh, sort of. (laughs) Well, maybe not quite. Maybe not quite. By the way, speaking of being optimistic and positive, I'm being tested to the utmost with our optimism. I've seen our talkzone.com ratings early on, Joel. Trying to look at the glass half full and trying to be optimistic. Uh, let's just say I'm being put to the greatest of tests right now. We got to get those ratings up, my friend.
3: Okay, I, I guess uh, from we need to do more like Facebook and Twitter type stuff, coaches. What I'm being told.
2: I don't know. I think we need to uh, maybe do a remote from your United Nations house. Maybe get some of your roommates to uh, Spread the truth or something. But we're fighting. We're fighting an uphill battle, but we will continue to throw the ball downfield. We don't care if we get intercepted on occasion, big dog. We will continue. On this show, to have an offensive game plan, and our defense will be solid, as always. Are you with me? Well,
3: yeah, if we can make it to the summer coach, I'll be more than happy to have a once-a-week remote out at the pool in the backyard. So.
2: <laughs> I don't know if that would be good for ratings, but the two of us will enjoy it. And you know, hey! At that really point, our producer, David Olson will definitely have to be replaced by a female.
3: Well... That won't be a problem because David's going to have to be out at the at the actual remote with
2: us. Well, he doesn't have to be if we if we replace him if we're doing a, a remote from a pool. Uh huh. I'm I'm not picturing David as our producer.
3: Well, if we, if it isn't going to be webcast, coach, if you can just I know a few people. You just tell them that cameras are going to be there and they will show up, coach. Good and point. most of them are go go dancers, so I'm sure Dave will want to be at the at the party. <laughs>
2: All right, we're going to take a quick break. Big dog, Joel Redwanski and his somewhat odd, hellacious sense of humor is with us today. Our phone lines are open, folks, 888-463-6748. More than the Super Bowl to talk about. we got Winter X Games, the Vancouver Winter Olympics coming up, college basketball, some pretty good games yesterday, Big Ten, Big East, big battles all around. And don't forget, 14 days, folks, till pitchers and catchers report back in a minute on the
1: lines are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach John Cone and the big dog Joe Radwanski, on talkzone.com go i don't
2: know if you're with me or not but somehow our in between music and cannabis i think would go hand in hand very well
3: well that's good at least people will calm down cuz like <laughs> if they were taking like crystal meth they'd probably be banging their head against the wall very difficult.
2: <laughs> oh, oh so second to... I thought
3: that was Oasis there, and then I realized that we couldn't afford that. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Two guys at a MikeTalkZone.com. Big Dog and a Coach uh, webcasting. If you're looking in on the TV and you're wondering where the hell the Big Dog is, he's doing it via remote from his palatial state in Aurora. We can make up all kinds of excuses why he's not here, but the actual reason is you are, uh, and have been for a while, Sands vehicle. Is
3: that correct? Yeah, I know, Coach. I'm the only tree hugging libertarian on the planet. So I figured if I really am going to play my part, I would, uh, give away my driver's license and mm-hmm. my vehicle. So now I, I basically walk everywhere.
2: It's, I, you know, I'd imagine uh, to some of us that own cars and have all the hassles of cars, to some extent, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. There's got to be a lot of advantages. No car payments. The car doesn't break down. You don't got to fill it up with gas, yada, yada, yada. A lot of good things, but paint a picture of some of the everyday difficulties of not having you're almost like trapped in your house, aren't you?
3: Well, I've got luckily I have five other people who live with me, so okay. it's like a grocery shopping is taken care of. Everything uh-huh. is taken care of, and whenever I need to get to work, coach, the, it's it's a five minute bike ride or a long walk, and they take me there. So everything is really it's not bad. Okay. To be, quite, to be quite honest with you. So and overall, I'm on the train for forty five minutes, and I do a bunch of work on the train. So
2: it's interesting. You're the second person that I've known in the last year fairly well that has, does not have a car. I mean, is it most. It's pretty hard to find somebody that doesn't own a car, but you're also the second of two that, for the most part, speak positively of that non-car-owning experience. Maybe more of us should try it.
3: I'm actually hoping everything will come together for me, and my goal is to never drive again.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So hopefully I can make that happen, Coach. But that's, Interesting. Uh, what are you that's p- a long way down the line, but that's what I'm hoping will end up happening for
2: me. What, are you planning on having a chauffeur?
3: Well, Or... Being able to take care of myself well enough that I can go buy uh, a place in the city, and also mm-hmm. this, and own this one, and then uh, so I, I could just take public transportation everywhere.
2: All right, David, me and Joel have many, many car stories. But back at the old radio show, when oh. Joel, when the big dog was driving a stick shift car uh, of nineteen whatever vintage, it was not in the best of shape. But he so he, one day he couldn't get it started. So I had to get in the car, and Joel, being the large uh, ex-football player he was, he was going to push it. We were going to kick-start it. I helped him out a little bit. Now, keep in mind, I had never, never driven a stick shift before.
3: Never does. I don't know. Yeah, but you do have a pair of testicles, Coach. Huh? You do have a pair of testicles.
2: Well, I certainly hope so. At that (laughs) point, by the way, in the middle of the winter, this was last winter, uh, each testicular was quite cold, by the way, as as was the rest of my body. But So we finally got it started, and you gave me a push, right? Yeah, and then the car started going down the side street in Chicago, and it's going pretty good. And then I realized I don't know how to drive the stick shift.
3: No, you didn't know how to didn't know how to stop it.
2: Yeah, so I'm hitting, and there's like a stop sign. What about maybe a couple hundred yards away?
3: Yeah, and if yeah. you were to run through the stop and got a ticket because and you weren't even hitting the gas, that would have been pretty funny.
2: Yeah, and you were chasing behind me in your street shoes on the icy street, trying to catch up to me. I'm in panic, like waving out the window. I'm not sure how it all ended, but uh, somehow the car remained intact.
3: Yeah, I got you, to because uh, it wasn't neutral. I, I promise you, if you hit the brake, everything would have been fine. And I actually think you uh, believe me uh, and realize that the best way to stop it might be behind the brake.
2: <laughs> Great story.
3: Oh.
1: Compelling and rich. Uh,
2: thank you very much. All right, hey, real quick, Big Dog, off the sporting tap. we'll get back to Super Bowl X X I L What is it, 44?
3: I, I've i lost track, Coach, uh, to be quite honest with you. I'm not right. sure. I thought oh, – yeah, I, I guess it
2: is. I think it is 44. Now we just got to figure out the Roman numerals. I'm being told it's X-V-X-L-I-V. XLIV. I was never good in Roman numerals, but suffice it to say, Super Bowl 44, we'll get back to that in a second, but real quick, uh, yesterday in the Chicago area and across the nation, big dog, it was election day. I know you didn't have a vehicle, but, uh, any thoughts on some of the local elections? I know you've got a political vent to you, and I do hope that you found a way to, uh, get one of those I voted stickers on your left chest.
3: Oh, without, without question, coach. I was able to vote. You know what the funny thing is? is... You just get me to the train on time. I was got somebody got me to the train by six a.m. and I was able to vote. Okay. In five different counties yesterday, <laughs> I I voted on a couple. I mean seriously, a couple dead dogs, one goldfish, two people. By the way, and I voted as three females yesterday, so I was able to get a turncoat.
2: <laughs> the Chicago way, big dog. Very proud.
3: Oh, yeah, I mean, and with Cook County. It was basically, I had to stop off about four or five times on that. Luckily, they have transfers this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, but then again, the amount you get paid to vote in the city of Chicago
2: is much, you know, it made up for it. Where are you registered? Like throughout the Chicago area? I'm still, actually,
3: I'm still registered in uh, Cook County right now. Okay.
2: Okay. uh, I will tell you this I don't know what what you did, and, uh, you know, feel free to not disclose it over the air, but when it came to the governorship, and I went with the Democratic ballot. Okay, even though in a regular election I will cross over, I don't vote straight Democratic, I go for the guy I think's the best. Um when it came to the governorship in the state of Illinois, I looked at a Pat Quinn and a Dan Hines, back to Dan Hines, back to Pat Quinn, Wrighton looked good. Dan Hines, Quinn, Quinn, Hines, Right in, Wrighton. Right in the old I refused to vote. I could not give my support to either one of those two governors. I almost wrote your name in Joel as governor elect for the state of Illinois.
3: I would have appreciated the vote, coach, because I can definitely use the patronage. Uh, yeah, actually, when I was, you know, in the booth, I was determining who do you think would get more write in votes to possibly beat one of these chumps, and I yes. wasn't sure if it was Goofy or Mickey Mouse. So <laughs> I went I with yeah. Goofy.
2: Yeah, and, you know, you hate to make fun of, uh, politicians, but in the case of the, you know, Pat Quinn, you know, nice guy. You know, nice guy, but been there, done that. Has been in the political realm. Has been our governor. Uh, took over for Bogoevich. What do you call it? The interim governor. Uh,
3: I, I think he was uh, replacing the disposed governor. I'm not exactly sure yeah, how he's you know, doing. know
2: whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter. He's been there. Nothing dramatic happening with him. Dan Hines is more of the same. I love the Dan Hines commercial, by the way, in the air, where he's got the typical family portrait with the uh, the wife and the three kids. And as he's talking, the three kids are totally disinterested. Not even looking at that. It was almost like the three kids were very similar to the electorate. Totally disinterested.
3: Oh, I hate to tell you, Coach. In some ways, I, I am too, because I'm just like so turned off by yeah. everything that is Illinois politics, and that's the last thing that I should be in these particular times is disinterested. Yes. But. The way everything is brought up, either Democrat or Republican, or you have no chance of actually getting elected, it's pretty, I just don't like the way that is it's set up. It's pretty yeah. bad.
2: Yeah. As disgusted, your your point is well taken. As upset and disgusted as many of us are with the political vent currently, not just in the Chicago areas, we branch out here in the talkzone.com via internet radio, but, uh, you still have to stay educated. You still have to exercise your right to vote. Remember the famous quote, all that evil requires is for good people. To do nothing. So we do need to put that effort into educate ourselves and to um, make our voices heard, Big without sounding too corny.
3: No, no, absolutely. We definitely should. And uh, I have to admit this particular – I've been a little busier doing other things lately, but I haven't mm-hmm. been on top of uh, the political realm this particular election as I normally am. And it's kind of funny because this one I was actually working the elections, getting people on ballots, and
0: you uh,
2: right. we
3: were doing petition for a lot of these particular people that are up for a candidacy right uh-huh.
2: now. So yeah. you were doing yeah. them for uh, some of the judges. I was doing them for judges, yeah. uh, congressmen, you name it.
3: Yeah, I uh, actually did my uh, for governor. So
2: I did my due, due, due diligence as an American citizen. Took my little uh, judges, you know, like fifty-seven judges. And uh, in the local paper, and I'm sure many of our talk zone listeners, whatever area you happen to be in, hopefully some of your newspapers do the same thing, and they list the ratings from the different judicial uh, groups or companies or organizations, whatever they are. And, and you look across, and if you see a particular judge that gets a not recommended, maybe from three or four different organizations, that's a pretty good indication, maybe not such a good judge. So I took that in there, and to the best I possibly could, because it was complicated.
3: How, how do you know that if that particular judge may that those that particular organization might have tried to buy off that judge yeah. and said no yeah you're
0: right You about never that.
3: know coach you that you got to be really careful about that kind of stuff
0: mm-hmm.
3: i mean and, and and you're right you're you, you're you think you're doing your due diligence and you may have been and i'm not saying that that is the truth but luckily there was you didn't name any of these judges but how do you know that those particular organizations weren't mm-hmm. uh like the, the judge did the right thing and was being like a, yeah. a pious person yeah. the next thing you know other people are speaking bad against them. It's a good you know, point. So you never know. you got to be very careful. And just because you stay in the Tribune or in the Sun-Times, mm-hmm. you, you can't, you know, they have a, a, agendas, too. Well, right now, uh, the only thing they have is to stay afloat. So you have to be very careful what they're putting in the yep. paper right now.
2: Very, very disappointed to learn in my uh, Chicago Tribune that starting next Monday we will be, what is it, one-eighth of an inch or one inch less wide in the newspaper to save money. Really? Yeah. Well,
3: that's okay. I have no problem with that. Yeah. I have no problem with that. I hate but to lose soon, an inch. The only reason why people buy, and trust me, I know, I ride the trains, coach. So I see discarded newspapers throughout the day, mm-hmm. okay? The only reason people buy the the newspaper anymore is some people buy them for the one ad Because it's like everybody buys, a, if it's a tribute, they buy it for one section, normally maybe two. A lot of times you see, you know, men, they get the sports page out first. Mm-hmm. And then it's the Sudoku. So... People who do this crossword of the Sudoku, it's like, yeah. that, you, get, you know, it's pretty sad. People buy the newspaper just to do that.
2: Yeah, you're, you're talking about my wife for sure. She's become an intense, intense morning Sudoku person. I mean, if I even bring up any household topics before, A, cup of coffee, and B, the Sudoku is finished, forget about it. Get you my know, hand taken off.
3: I, I think I married the wrong person because that's all I ever got when I was married was, you got to do this, this, this. Like it was the laundry list. Uh-huh. I did not even sat down yet. I was like, hold on, didn't you give me a different list last night when I got home? Uh huh. I'm leaving now.
2: Well, you and me would not be good married together because I'm big on on the laundry list. That's the only way I can keep track of that. I got my lists. And then I break down my list into subcategories. So my lists actually have lists. So uh, originally I thought maybe the two of us could cohabitate together, but apparently I don't think we'd last more than a month or two months together.
3: I I have a list, but it could be in my head, Coach. It's like a Rolodex.
2: Yeah, famous last words.
3: So, you know, as long as I was paying attention to you when you told this to me, I'll probably remember it.
2: Uh-huh. What were yeah. you saying? I don't know. I don't. Know. I just don't think it's going to work out between the two of us, Joe. I mean, the physical attraction is not there, and we have too many different uh, habits. I just don't think it's going to work out.
3: Okay, well, I guess we're going to not have to worry about this cohabitation, Coach. I guess we'll have to figure out some <laughs> other way to keep All the right. relationship if going.
2: Any, if anybody, by the way, uh, from Election Day yesterday, we kind of threw it out there yesterday, if anybody uh, voted and had any 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 stories from the horrible... To the humorous, or anything in between, from your voting experience yesterday, maybe something you watched on TV, I'd love to hear stories from uh, people around the country, again, we are here in the Chicago area, talkzone.com, uh, firing out to all of our continental United States and. For that matter, seven different continents and also parts of uh, Hadesburg and Mississippi, too. 888-463-6748 is our phone number. If you got any of those, we'd love to hear them. 888-463-6748. You can email us at Mike2Guys at com. All right, real quick, getting back to the Super Bowl. Four days of prep. Uh, big dog, anything from media day. It's usually ad nauseum, but... Um, Anything that stuck out, anything you saw from yesterday's action?
3: No, I don't watch anything on media day, Coach. I, I I have grown, it's grown so tiresome. It was funny, when I was a young man growing up, this avid, diehard football fan, which I am now, I would watch all the Super Bowl pregame, anything that I could possibly get my eyes on, and I'd watch it over and over again. And, you know, my dad would be like, I don't know how you could do that. My dad would start watching the game, if it was supposed to kick off at 517, my dad sat down at 516. You know, all right, let's watch the football game. <laughs> I, I'm growing up. I'm doing more and more that I can't stand any of the, like, the pregame is bad enough, let alone the pre-week of the stupid questions I ask. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think it's going to take to beat the, the Colts today uh on Sunday, Drew Brees, uh, scoring more points than that?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay.
3: You know, I mean, it's, I, I can't take any more of those questions. Going, yeah, so, um, I, I don't want to add to it. All I know is this really is one of those games that's going to
2: live up to the hype. I really believe it. Not not only am I with you on those media day thoughts, I think uh, it's almost like politics with the flyers that people get in the mail and the ads on TV. I think uh, more and more people are basically just ignoring both the political literature and even more importantly, not more importantly, less importantly, pretty much... uh, your sentiments, ignoring a lot of the pre-hype and the media day and stuff like that. Maybe I'm just getting older. Maybe some of the young kids are into it, but I don't think so. I think the the whole media day thrill is is wearing off.
3: Well, then why do they keep on doing it? Why do they make it? uh, Actually, today is National Signing Day. Talk about a a big hype over nothing. Seriously. This is a, oh, where is this guy going to sign? Where is this guy going to sign? They're talking about high school football players. Mm -hmm. You You know, the funny thing is, they started going over like players and where they were ranked, you know, in the national scheme. We're making a big deal out of these, this today. At least not, we're not. But ESPN is making this huge deal. This guy's going to this college. This guy's. They started showing those lists. They were all wrong. They're never right. Like, uh, Mark Ingram, who was the Heisman Trophy winner and clearly, clearly the most talented running back coming back in college next year. Yeah, he was the twelfth rated running back when he came out and like the hundred and tenth player. -hmm. And then they, you know, so it's funny they make a big deal of this stuff, coach, and none of it really matters whatsoever.
2: The best example I can give, and it is National Signing Day, so I'm sure they'll be recruiting nose in many of the sports pages. And your, no, it is um, a story. It is a story, but it shouldn't be what is what they've made it into. I agree. The best example of how insignificant and inane much of it is is uh, take Notre Dame and Northwestern. Notre Dame for the last four or five years, not so much this year, by the way, under Brian Kelly. But for the no, last but four get, or five by years, by the way,
3: they did get a they did get a really top recruit today, and they're really happy about it. They yeah,
2: well, I'm sure we're thrilled. We're all dancing yeah. in our uh dancing in the streets here. But you know, for the last four or five years under Charlie Weiss, all we kept reading about on signing day, and a week after, two weeks after, a month is this all American and this guy ranked number five and the number ten offensive tackle, the number one guy from the Chicago, four or five straight years. Of top 100, top 200 players, great all America, And look how Notre Dame played this year on the opposite end of it, Northwestern. I don't think they've got a top 200 player in the last four years. And Northwestern had a pretty good season this year. Notre Dame went kaput. So there goes your uh, the significance of your top 100 players and national signing day.
3: Yeah, no, you're actually 100% right. You, you look at the guys like uh, Northwestern gets the guys that are named Mr. Ohio Football, that all they did was produce in high school. Yep. But they're not fast enough or big enough to play at Ohio State, you know. So Northwestern gets these guys, and guess what? They end up producing. Mm-hmm. Oh, because that's what they do. They've always they can play football. They're just not as big and as fast as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like the wide receiver you talked about that had the huge game when he finally started a game in the, in the whatever Citrus Bowl or whatever it was, the Capital One Bowl.
0: Mm-hmm. And and
3: these stories happen all the time at Northwestern, and and it, it's great that you brought up Notre Dame coach because the only time Charlie Weiss ever won was when he had. uh the coach before him, Ty Willingham's players—that's yep. the only time he ever won. That's true. Game. That is true. And and those—the reason why Willingham got fired was supposedly he wasn't bringing in the talented enough players. That was one of the reasons that he was let go. <laughs> a, a, they had a laundry list of a bunch of poor excuses uh, why they let him go.
2: So the new coach comes in, wins with the not talented enough players, gets the more talented players, and then loses. Go yeah. figure. Yeah. Well, well, you know, the, the other part of it—you can get all the talented players. You want, you got to coach them. Okay. That's a good point. you got to coach them up, and you got to put them in spots where they have a chance to succeed.
3: And and, and don't want to knock these guys too bad, but you can get all the talented players in the world, and if none of them are defensive linemen, it's very difficult to win against a <laughs> tough schedule. And that's another thing. They really haven't had good defensive players, especially yeah. in line.
2: All right. Big dog. we got to take a quick break. David Olson, by the way, my bodyguard, our producer today. It's com. Two guys in a mic. When we come back, we throw a little college basketball at you, and... Get off topic as we are uh, wont to do here on Two Guys in Mike. Quick break. Back in a minute. Don't you go anywhere.
1: To get back to two guys and a mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski, on TalkZone.com.
2: All right, back for our final segment here on the TalkZone.com. Big dog during the break, uh, two new members have joined our Twitter family, our ever-growing Twitter family, by the way. Please welcome the pulsator and hands-off Harry to our somewhat dysfunctional Twitter family.
3: That's uh, we definitely have the most original names of any Twitter family around.
2: It's interesting, interesting. I'm curious to meet the pulsator. I think I am, anyways. Uh,
3: maybe they should go to Morton Grove and that and stay away from Aurora. That might be a good idea.
2: Ah, send them our way, huh?
3: Yes, exactly, coach.
2: Smart man, smart man. All right, Big Doe, We've been talking uh, Super Bowl. And we don't want to get you know too delved into it tomorrow. We start to break it down a little bit more, and then of course on our Football Friday. We will break it down. Joel make his official predictions. Oh, I know, right before the break, I did one. We were talking about National Signing Day in football real quick because I know you follow college football and have a great intuition. For players, maybe not all Americans, but uh, players that you've seen that you think could be good NFL players, it's been a while, but could I tap you for a couple of college football players you saw that maybe our listeners you know, are not first and foremost familiar with that you think are going to be one heck of an NFL player?
3: You know, you put me on the spot here because normally I have a bunch of names for a couple of years ago. I was saying, coach, you got to see this Chris Johnson kid from East Carolina. I was right about that one. Sammy Strader, Oregon State is playing for the Bucks. Like guys that you really haven't heard of. I'm going to have to think about that because okay. you know, I know there's players. I've, all I did every single Saturday was just watch college football all mm-hmm. day long. The only problem is a lot of these guys that I thought were going to be like sneak, like sneaky guys that you might like, they're all going to mm-hmm. be drafted in the first round now. Like uh, like the guy that I would love to have as uh, from Florida is this Joe Hayden kid, their their corner. Okay. He's six foot three, he's like Antonio Cromartie of uh the San Diego Chargers, he's gigantic, he's quick, and you know, nobody heard of this guy. By the end of the year, he went from being a possible like second round pick. Now they're talking like he might be like a third or fourth player taken overall. Wow. You know, so like right now it's every like all the names I'm giving you are all gonna be like first round picks. Mm-hmm. So um guys that are going to end up like in the second and third and fourth rounds that really make your team. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of those players this year. And some players I think are like overrated. Like people are talking about Regis Ben of Illinois. You know, I'm a diehard Illinois fan coach, but people are like, Oh, he should be a first round pick. Why? (laughs) I never produced Just because he's another uh, thing of like, you know, Regis Ben is big and he's fast. So people are actually like, you know, thinking he's going to end up being a player Mm -hmm. and, and and he probably won't be coach. Uh, You know, there's a, uh, Alabama's got a bunch of players like this Javier Arenas kid. You know, you know he's a little small for playing uh, corner, but he can actually cover people. So he's going to fall in the draft, but you know he's going to end up being a good player. Uh, there's definitely gems in in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. The only problem is this is more of a top-heavy draft, which means there's a lot of talent in the first and second rounds. The problem is the Bears don't have any picks in those particular rounds this year.
2: <laughs> Traded away for our uh, fine quarterback Jay Cutler.
3: Yes, yep. yes, who. Uh, Threw a lot of passes to the other team this
2: season. Yes, he did complete the good news is he did complete a lot of passes. The unfortunate news were a lot of those completions were to the other team. Yes.
3: Yeah,
0: yes but uh, that
2: could happen. We got a new offensive coordinator now, so hopefully in his game plan, in his game book, it'll actually be completing passes to our team. Be a nice change of pace.
3: It would be it'd be a nice change of pace if in the two thousand ten football season mm-hmm. Brian Urlacher has more tackles than Jay Cutler. Because that wasn't the case this your Cutler had more tackles than her lacquer did. That's not a good
2: stat. That is not good when your quarterback has more tackles than your middle linebacker. You would be yes. correct. <laughs> you would be correct on that. All right, Big Dog, let's get off the uh, football real quick. And, again, our phone lines are open if you want to uh, talk Super Bowl right here for you. But other sports on the docket. We also threw out our daily quandary election day if you voted yesterday. Uh, anything from horror stories to humorous stories or anything in between uh, during your voting experience, something you watched on TV. Always willing to do a little Sports Guys Talk Politics. 888-463-6748. The phone number dog. Some good college basketball yesterday, including Syracuse knocking off Providence. twenty two and one Best start ever for Syracuse. And that's a pretty storied tradition. So when you say best start ever, that says a lot, does it not?
3: No, absolutely. You're talking about the last 30 years. There's no doubt Syracuse is one of the top ten programs in the country over the past, during the Jim Boeheim era. Mm-hmm. And so, whenever you say best start under Bayham, that's a that's a really really good thing. And they're doing it the exact same way they've always done it at Syracuse. Matchup zone, they rebound and they grind you out in the half court offense and somehow get like a wide open shot half the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's I, they've done it the exact same way. You know, there are some coaches that you know like build. To whatever their talent is on the team. Mm-hmm. And then there's some coaches that say, we do it this way. And if you can't make it this way, then go somewhere else. And that's Jim Bayham's way.
2: It is a system indeed and a successful system. You got to start talking about Jimmy Bayheim. I know he doesn't have maybe the quite the charisma of some of the other coaches out there, a Patino, a Calipari, maybe a Mike Sashevsky, but he is right there at the top 22 and one, folks, Syracuse. And they're playing some pretty serious competition to so have that kind of record is, um, Pretty amazing. Congrats to the Orangemen. Now, you know, they haven't accomplished their final goal, but a great season thus far. Villanova oh, yeah. also looking pretty good, huh, Doug? Yeah, I, I
3: love Villanova. And, you know, I've loved Scotty Reynolds since he's been a freshman. Since he's been a freshman, I'm like, well, this guy's going to end up being a pretty solid professional player only because he's so smart. Mm-hmm. You know, and brings, you know, the most NBA players, a lot of people think you're stupid and stuff, but a lot of the NBA players play really intelligent basketball, uh, and yet, You know, Scotty Reynolds could have left after his freshman year. This is his senior year. So I I got like a special place in my heart. A guy that could have left any year during college and he stayed all four. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why I'm kind of rooting for for Villanova this year just because of Scotty Reynolds. I really like the way he plays, even though uh, Jay Wright, he kind of rubs me the wrong way, coach. Villanova's head coach. He's too pretty. And he he seems a little uh, slime ballish. (laughs) <laughs> I, like, I don't know if I, I trust him is all I'm saying, Coach. His
2: hair is definitely the slime part. I don't know about the – but you're right. There's something very un-basketball coach-like about Jay Wright. I respect the work he's done. He's been very successful. But you're right. There's a certain – can you call it uneasiness when you take a look at and watch a Jay, a Jay Wright?
3: I have, to, I have to admit, though, that uh, I'm a little bit biased against him because the snake oil he sold me did not work. <laughs>
2: And he dresses way too good. I mean, I don't mind sport coat and tie, but it's just he spends a little bit too much time on the wardrobe. I always worry about not only coaches, I worry about anybody who dresses um
3: Oh, I talking about Beheim
2: or Jay Wright, I think, Coach. No, definitely Jay Wright. Jimmy, oh, okay. Jimmy yeah. Bayheim does not spend a lot of time dressing. <laughs> oh my I mean, that guy, he still wears the same jumpsuits they had back in the
3: 1980s. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, Coach, you wear a, a Syracuse going to wear their retro uniform? Uh-huh. What are you talking about? Yeah. You got the retro, Warrior my only jumpsuit I have. If know.
2: you look closely, he's even got a couple of those, even have like a bell bottom finish to him. I mean, really old school. That is old school. Yeah, I gotta love Jimmy Bay- Bayheim. Uh, another top-ranked team victorious last night. Kentucky, eighty-five. Mississippi, number twenty-five team in the country, seventy-five. Kentucky continues their role. However, um, big dog, there was a top-ranked team that got knocked off yesterday. Michigan State loses their first Big Ten game. My coach of the year, Bo Ryan, and the Badgers do it again at home.
3: Yeah, uh, Jason Bohan and Ed, every single Big Ten team. Wants that guy to graduate. How, he's a four-year starter at Wisconsin. He had another fantastic game yesterday. Uh, Wisconsin is awfully tough to beat at the Cole Center. There's only one Big Ten team with multiple wins in that arena, Coach, and it's Illinois with three. Nobody else has ever won in that arena twice. Michigan State has never won there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michigan State, let's just be flat on it. I'm a diehard Illinois fan. Michigan State's got the best basketball program in the Big Ten. They've had it for a long time, and they have yet to win in that that building. That's how tough it is to win in there.
0: And I, and,
2: I would assume other schools watch tape. What exactly, if you could break it down for the uh, the college hoop fan out there, what the heck does Wisconsin do to slow down the uh, speed-away train that is Michigan State? Fast-break basketball.
3: Well, you know, it's funny you said it because they're fast-break basketball Michigan State is because they grind you out defensively and they rebound phenomenally well. So that's what, but technically, you know, Michigan State's more of a half court team. But, but they do get a lot of easy transition baskets. Well, Wisconsin, what they do, they never turn the ball over so you don't get any, like, you know, steals and all of a sudden the ball breaks out and you, you get an easy layout. Mm-hmm. They don't take stupid, like, uh, contested long three point shots that end up being long rebounds and end up being easy buckets. They tend to just do the right thing constantly. And, and plus they rebound their butts off, and that gets it done for them at home. Now, I don't know why they can't do the same thing on the road. Uh, but when Wisconsin's at home, they they win pretty much everything. Well,
2: they're not bad on the road either. I mean, they're, you know, for a Wisconsin team, and we talked about National Signing Day and all the top 100 players, top 50 players, and, you know, how it's been overrated. Same thing pretty much for Wisconsin basketball. If you go over the last 10 years or 15 years where they've been very successful, starting, I think, way back when Dick Bennett took over as coach, not a lot of top one hundred high school recruits coming to Wisconsin, Joel, they're winning the old fashioned way, the way you described it is a pretty simplistic. Good, solid, fundamental basketball with smart kids.
3: You know, and it, it, it's kind of funny where over those like the same amount of time, most of like the really elite players in Illinois, Coach, have left and gone elsewhere. Yep. A few have stayed to go to Illinois, and a lot of like the bottom of the top tier have gone to Illinois. But it's like those like the Wisconsin's got a bunch of secondary Illinois players mm-hmm. that Illinois didn't want, or Purdue or Michigan State didn't want. And next thing you know, they end up being some of the best players in the Big Ten. You look at some of the talent that's gone to Wisconsin, who when they were in high school, it was like, uh, okay, yeah, Illinois didn't get that guy. He wouldn't even play at Illinois. Next thing you know, uh, like Michael Finley's Big Ten Player of the Year at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a bunch of Illinois players that Illinois didn't want. Go to Wisconsin and end up having a great career. And that's, that's one thing is they seem to utilize every single ounce of talent out of these players.
2: By the way, a kid they passed up in many other schools did too out of the state of Illinois. Many of our listeners, uh, in other areas, Dwayne Wade, probably what a top five, top six, top seven NBA player now, not recruited by Illinois, Wisconsin, any of the local schools, let alone no. the powerhouse schools. Marquette. Which the, was last the sec- only
3: top school in the area to recruit
2: and, him, and they didn't recruit him originally. He was sort of a, a late pickup. All right, you know they had this kid's do pretty good. Couple of people passed up on us. Let's let's take Dwayne Wade, and here he is now. You know, maybe the fifth, fourth best player in all of the NBA. So there are, uh... and,
3: and he plays a winning style coach because he attacks the hoop. Yep. You know, you know, no matter what you say, like what level he is, and I, I agree with you, like five or seventh in the NBA, but he plays to win too. So that's the. It's a, it's a commodity that is, that's really needed, I think, on a lot of teams.
2: No question about it. Hey, final college basketball note again on a local nature. I apologize if we get a little too Chicago-esque on this two guys at a mic show. Feel free to call in from your particular area and uh, get us out of the Midwest if you want. We're, we're more than happy to do so. 888-463-6748. The phone number, two guys and a mic. Big dog, uh, it's been, what, 60 years, 40 years. I forget how many years Northwestern has never, never made it. To the round of 64, the quote-unquote big dance. This could be the year. A really solid win yesterday against Michigan, 67-52. Go you, Northwestern.
3: It, it, it's a solid win, coach. But I hate to tell you this. Oh. Unless they no. pretty much go undefeated the rest of the way, or or obviously in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Northwestern is going to have to really up their level of play the rest of the year if they want to make their first tournament in the since 1939, which was held in Evanston. Uh, the, for them to actually make it. I don't think they're going to at this particular is That the fir- And this is the best team they may have
2: ever had. Yes. And by the way, their star player, their best player, injured at the beginning of the season. Yeah, are they just going to redshirt him, Coach Cobble? Oh, yeah.
3: All right, good, good. Yeah, I, I, it, I, it, it, you yeah.
2: know, hey, watch out for my cats. You can joke about them all you want. 1939? That's when the first tournament was? 1939, yes, it was, Coach. Who won the first yes, tournament? It was in Evanston. In New, was it New York University? Believe, oh.
3: Oklahoma A&I beat Oregon in the 1939 NBA wow. finals. But back then, NXE was actually a bigger tournament. Yes,
2: that I know. But you're yeah, saying so. Oklahoma A&I was your first ever national champ?
3: Yeah, which is Oklahoma State now, by the way. Interesting.
2: Like Interesting. See that, Joel? A, a veritable wealth of information. Unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, next year. Next year, with just about everybody returning, Northwestern could be a legit top 25 preseason.
3: You know, I like to hear that. Almost everybody's returning on this team. Is Juice Thompson one of the people returning next year? He is. Okay, and is Cherna one of the people? Who?
2: Cherna. John Cherna will be back.
3: You know, Honestly. when was the, Now, he has a chance to be all Big Ten this year, don't you think, John Cherna?
2: Oh, absolutely. He's uh, First or second team is a lock. Probably second team. Okay, when was the last time you think there was an first
3: or second team All-Big Ten player that was mm-hmm. a virgin. Seriously, how long has it been, Coach?
2: Wait, An All-Big Ten player that was a who?
3: That was a virgin. A virgin? Yeah, I, I, well, I'm, I'm going out there and I'm saying okay. John Sherna is a virgin.
2: Ah, okay. Have you seen him? I have seen John Sherna.
3: There is no way he has gained carnal knowledge of a woman. I've... <laughs>
2: I find him strangely attractive in a cute, shaggy dog kind of way.
3: Exactly. like That's like the guy you want your big brother
2: to be. You know, I the guarantee there's there's a, there's a Northwestern Denver. co-ed out there that's uh, showing John Sharna some love. Believe me.
3: Uh, I'm sure there's a smart one out there. I, I, I just don't know if he's actually pulled the trigger. He looks a little shy, <laughs>
2: Coach. <laughs> oh, I don't know if they keep stats for how many all Big Ten Ten guys have not uh, quote-unquote pulled the trigger, big dog. But if anybody would know that stat... You would, so I'll take your word for
3: it. I guarantee you Rick Mount was not the last one.
2: <laughs> uh, hey, by, by the way, uh, we may have the freshman of the year in the Big Ten, Drew Crawford. Maybe one of the top ten freshmen in the country.
3: Yeah, he's played. He's he's done all that, right, Coach. Uh, mm-hmm. He played phenomenal against Illinois when they played in Champaign. I know they lost that game, but that was he carried them for a long time in that game. So
2: mm-hmm. yeah, he, and the nice thing about the Northwestern players is. And some of the other schools that are just under the radar, the players are good enough, the Schernas and the Crawford, but not good enough to jump to the NBA. Some of these other schools, you got these great players, but boom, gone. Patrick Patterson, John Wall for Kentucky, they won't be around next year.
3: No, 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 Coach, you know, you're, you're 100% right, but I also wanted to add a little twist to, to what you're saying. But also smart enough, if Juice Thompson is playing at DePaul, per se, and starts to lighten it up. And at DePaul, he'd probably average a little bit more points a game. He'd be their best player, maybe a few more assists. He'd handle a little bit more. He'd be more of a pro style. He would get more people in his ears saying, you know what, maybe you should leave, leave DePaul and go pro, because he possibly could get drafted, Coach. Mm-hmm. And Northwestern, they're smart enough to realize, no, I'm probably not going to get drafted. i would be better off just finishing my four years, getting my education, and if I get in the NBA when I'm done, it's good. I'd rather. So I, I think maybe these guys are also smart enough. Not to fall for that
2: stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, beautiful. Big dog, I'm getting the rodeo signal from our producer, Dave So We do need to wrap it up. Uh, we will reconnect with you uh, tomorrow and more Super Bowl. Give me a couple little insights tomorrow now, okay? Surprise us a little bit. I, I will have a list of insights they will memorize, So Beautiful. From memorize. your insight to my insight, we send our insights home for another show. 10 o'clock tomorrow, folks. We'll do it all over again. Thanks for joining us. Two guys and a mic. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.